Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 206. I'm your host, Eric Moore. This week, we're going to go over what no one is talking about. All right. Well, no one really has it as their base case. Does everybody have it wrong? Like, why isn't aren't people talking about a scenario where, well, I'll go through it in a second. The other thing I want to cover, too, is the spreads between the Fed funds rate or the three-month treasury and corporate bonds is getting really, really tight. What does that mean? What do we typically see when that happens? And, you know, there's a few odds and ends in here as well. Everyone probably knows at this point, the Federal Reserve raised their federal funds rate up another quarter point. So, all right, what does everybody have as their base case? And just so we're on the same page, the Fed funds rate now is 4.5% to 4 and 3 quarters percent. So 450 to 475. It's expected, or at least there's about an 83% probability that when they meet in March, they'll raise another quarter point. And then, of course, it would be 475 to 5. I will note that the effective Fed funds rate, and so here's a little inside baseball, I guess. Maybe it's not inside baseball, but just, you know, there is a range. And the Federal Reserve didn't used to put a range on the Fed funds. They would just move the rate to a certain amount. So instead of saying 450 to 475, they might have said, well, we're going to raise it 425 to 450 or 450 to 475. And I won't go into all the mechanics of this. I think I've done this on a, a past episode. I, I can't remember which one it is. If I find it, I'll link to it. You can search uh, uh, Broken Pie Jar Podcast and Spotify or uh, Apple or wherever you get your podcast. But they used to just, they didn't do a range. And I, I think part of the reason why they started to do a range is, well, they started paying interest on excess reserves or IOER. And then the Fed funds futures or the Fed funds, you know, there's actually overnight um, securities, Fed funds, and you can go in the New York Fed. I'll put a link to that. And you can see what the actual Fed funds rate is. I said it's about 4.58 right now. And it had been 4.33. I don't know if it's significant that it's at the bottom of their range, but it, it all sort of plays in, and, and you probably, I'll link to this episode as well, have heard me talk about the overnight reverse repo market. That's where the banks are essentially lending money to the Fed, and the Fed gives back really short-term T-bills, and there's a rate, an overnight reverse repo rate. And, you know, that got up to about $2 trillion. Uh, as I said, I'll, I'll link to this and I'll, I'll explain what those are in a, another episode. I, I did that for probably you know a half hour straight. But what you find is that it's sometimes the there's pressure on rates and they start to maybe wiggle or threaten to wiggle out of these bounds. I think that's one of the reasons why the, the Federal Reserve started to do the overnight reverse repos. Okay, so... 83% chance they go 475 to 5 at the next meeting, which is in March. And then what happens after that? Well, if we go to the probabilities on the CME group, they run a, a FedWatch tool and they have the probabilities. The central tendency, let's say, or the, 
the highest probability by, you know, the May meeting is that they're going to raise to five, five and a quarter. And they have the rate, the highest probability that the rate will be five to five and a quarter. Uh, that's what the central, central tendency is. That's just a fancy way for saying that's the highest probability. So according to the Fed funds futures, we've got the rate going to five, five and a quarter and staying there. And then November, there is a 33.5% probability, but that's the highest probability. So that's sort of the, the, the central tendency there, that rates will come back down by a quarter point, back down to four and three quarters to 5%. Why do I go over this? Well, one is, you know, these probabilities, when I say the highest tendency, like in November or September, there's a 34.2% probability that rates will be five, five and a quarter. There's a 33% probability they're four and three quarters to five. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that it's not like a, in a March meeting, 83% probability based on where the Fed funds futures are trading that rates are going up another quarter point. But here's the interesting part. And that's, if you look at these, you look at the Fed funds futures, by December, the highest probability is four and a half, four and three quarters. And then if you go out further than that, and there's debate about whether it's even, you know, you should even go further than that. Are they really giving you, transmitting any information? But I think the, the point of all this is that people think rates are going to five, five and a quarter. They're going to stay there for a couple months. And by the fall, they're going to start coming back down. What has the Fed been saying? Well, the Fed has a dot plot. And you've heard me before say, the Fed is never really right on their dot plot. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you go back to 2015, 2014, they said, yeah, you know, in, in two years, the Fed funds rate's going to be up to 3% again or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was somewhere around there. And it never went up. They never raised it. They didn't start raising until, what was it, 18. And so but just to give you an idea, they have or they had the Fed funds rate ending about four and a half. Uh, they all seem to have it in that five, five and a quarter in 2023. That's where they think it will end, or at least this is their FOMC participants' assessments of appropriate monetary policy, the dot plot. So 2023 and the blue dots, which is what I'm reading off, that's the median projection. So, all right, and then, and, and I will tell you too, the market does not believe them. Why does the market not believe them? Well, the market has about 450 as the rate, or at least it did at the end of December, uh, according to, you know, what, so the, the market's saying, no, no, Fed, we don't believe you. We think the rates are going to be lower. In 2024, the market has it more like 3%. The Fed thinks it's going to be, you know, four and a quarter at the end of 2024. And then the Fed sees it coming down and longer run, getting to about 275, 250-ish. So everyone, and I say everyone, but Wall Street Journal had a, a piece out at the end of the year, or actually the beginning of the year. And I'll try and link to this as well. And in it, they said two-thirds 
of economists at 23 large financial institutions that do business directly with the Federal Reserve are betting, one, and we'll get to this in a second, the recession, that the U.S. will have a recession in 2023, uh, two others predicting a recession in 2024. And they also expect a turn down in GDP growth and they all seem, or I say the majority, uh, sees them, you know, going to 5%. And then eventually they're going to come down. And I think that's kind of the, the central thing. So why am I bringing this up? The, bringing this up because everyone, if you watch CNBC right now, and I said this before, it's like the most obvious quote-unquote recession ever because everyone is saying we're going to have a recession. I mean, there's people who aren't. And everyone can't be right. Everyone normally isn't right. But the case right now is everyone thinks there's going to be a recession. We're going to go up to around 5%, and then the Fed is going to start lowering rates again. What if they don't lower rates? Or what if they keep them high or high-ish for a while? And if there is a recession, it's very shallow, or maybe there's no recession. And I think it's the one thing that nobody is saying right now, and that's the Fed is just, you know, maybe they lower a little bit, back down four and a quarter, four and a half, maybe around four, and they just stay there for a while. And think about it. If we don't have a really bad recession, or maybe we've already been in one, I'm starting to, there, you could make an argument that we may have already been in a really shallow recession. And I, I say that because the market sort of bottomed in early fall. We're seeing earnings. I don't know if earnings are going to bottom, but earnings on a year-over-year basis going to be down. And the markets sort of run up ahead of earnings bottoming. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll know when it happens if the economy has or hasn't bottomed. But that's the case you know, I just look at this and I say, and, and by the way, would it be really, really, I mean, would, would keeping rates high cause an issue? I mean, if the economy is, is growing, you could make the case that the Fed can keep rates higher in historical ten, uh, you know, context. They're really not that high. And you could also make the case that, you know, people say, well, wait a second, the, the curve's inverted right now. But if the market, and I say the market, the bond market, believes that more growth is coming, you would think that at some point yields on, let's say, the five and 10-year and, and the longer run yields would go higher. So I just think it's, I wanted to bring this up because no one seems to be on this. And as one of my colleagues said, just because no one's on it doesn't mean it's wrong. But what is the bond market telling us? There was a piece out by, I think this is a Bank of America. Somebody passed this to me. And what they did was they showed the spread between U.S. corporate bonds, triple B rated. So as you think about it, there's triple A, double A, A. There's a triple B, double B, B. And then you have triple C, double C. And then you start getting into default areas. But it's this idea of, okay, when you buy a bond, you are taking on some risk. 
And there's what's called a, a spread. So when we look at yield spreads, a lot of times we will talk about the high yield spread and that are what is the yield on high yield bonds minus what's the yield on treasury bonds. And they may use a, a consortium of maybe fives and tens or threes or, you know, it just kind of depends how they're, they're doing it. Well, what Bank of America put out and they said, okay, what they showed was that the spread between triple B corporate bonds, what you would earn and yield upon buying a triple B bond, and the Fed funds rate, or really the discount rate, which is a three-month treasury, because the three-month treasury is essentially the risk-free rate. And what they show is that that spread right now is really, really tight or narrow, meaning what you get on a triple B bond is not that much more than what you would get in a three-month U.S. Treasury bill or above the Fed funds rate. And the, and the Treasury bill, three-month Treasury or 90-day Treasury is going to be you know, normally right around what the Fed funds is going to uh, be at as well. So kind of took a look at this. And I went and I looked and I said, let me pull some data. And I want to, want to get some eyes on this myself. And yeah, the corporate triple B spread to Fed funds, I did it that way first. Uh, last time I checked, the spread was about, this is uh, at the end of January, about 2.43%. Meaning Fed funds rate is, uh, actually, I'll tell you what the Fed funds rate is. So the Fed funds or the effective Fed funds rate at the end of uh, let's see, the, the very end of, yes, 4.33, the end of January. And triple B bonds, the yield was 6.76. So the difference there is 2.43% or 243 basis points, if you want to use kind of the industry term. And I looked and I said, well, it's been trending lower. For example, if you look and you say, in July of 21, the spread was 6.77% or 677 basis points. So that spread has collapsed. And to give you some context, the, the spread in January, 2.43%, I'd have to go back or we'd have to go back to around November of 2007, the last time it was that tight of a spread. Uh, just for argument's sake, it's not as low as the yield spread was, triple Bs to, to Fed funds, let's say in April of 07. Then it, it actually got down to about 178 basis points, 1.78%. And then what, what other times was it really low? Okay. Well, we go back and we say, let's look at, uh, oh, here we go. This is July of 2000. It was 106 basis points, so 1.06%. So why do I bring this up? Well, if you were to say, hey, this spread is a little bit com compacted right now, there's two things that might happen. You might say, and, and I don't know what will happen. Um, this is why you know, we buy and we hedge. And you know, if you want to learn more about that, Derek.more at zegafinancial.com, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E, 
add Z is in zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financial is up to you to spell correctly.com. Uh, or just show ideas, topics you want covered. Uh, I did have a, a few questions on yield spreads recently, but I, I, uh, to be honest with you, I saw the, uh, and someone passed me the B of A piece, and I was, I was sort of gotten interested in that. So, okay. So what are the two things you might deduce from this? You might say, okay, well, nothing might happen. Uh, the spread could stay here. You might say, okay, well, maybe as the effective Fed funds rate comes up, maybe the spread uh, triple Bs to Fed funds narrows even more, meaning the amount of interest that you would get on a triple B versus uh, you know, a, a three-month treasury. Remember, you buying it, if you buy a three-month treasury, that's essentially the risk-free rate. You really don't, you don't have any interest rate risk. I mean, it's, it's only 90 days. So if interest rates go up 10 times from here, in 90 days you're getting your, your money back at par, and then you can go find a, a new bond at the 10 times higher rate. So nothing could happen. Uh, we could see spreads narrow a little bit more. You could also see spreads widen, and that would be where bonds are selling off and bonds lower, market values go lower, yields go higher, the, the yield to maturity. And the yield to maturity is a combination between what you buy a bond at and what it matures at at par, and you assume it, it matures at par. Some bonds can get called. Uh, of course, there's always default risk in corporate bonds. But, you know, the yield to maturity is a, is a combination of the coupon, the interest it pays, and what you wind up, the difference between what you buy it at and what it matures at. Okay. So you could see those widen. And by widening, again, it means bonds are selling off. Because you might say, okay, well, given the choice, would I want to buy a risk-free asset or buy a corporate bond that has more risk than a, a U.S. Treasury? The other thing that could happen, though, is maybe bond, corporate bonds stay where they are and what winds up happening is maybe the Fed funds rate. Maybe this is the market's way of saying, uh-uh-uh, we don't believe you, Fed. Uh, we think that this is going to have to come down. And that's how spreads will, quote-unquote, rewiden or get back to you know, less, less extreme levels. As I always say, I mean, we'll, we'll let you know when it happens. Uh, but this is something to keep, keep an eye out. It is note that the, the high yield spread has tightened a little bit. I, I don't think it's extreme levels by any means, but that just means the, the spread of what you're getting in high yield bonds and what you're getting in treasuries is, is more narrow. And so this is something to, to keep an eye out. The other thing I'll, I'll mention as well is, oh, and I'll, I'll also put a link to, uh, you can pull all this up yourself if you just Google Fred, F-R-E-D, Triple B, so BBB uh, spread, and you can find the spread. You can also uh, put the, the, you know, pull up the the effective Fed funds rate. You could also find the the three month Treasury, the market yield, meaning if you're going out into the market and you're buying it, uh, if you're buying bonds that are already out there, not new issue, you know, what's the yield to maturity? So I'll I'll put a link to all those in the the show notes as well. So some of you are saying, okay, you've talked about the bond market. What does that mean for equities? Well, if bond spreads widen, you would expect equities to come under some pressure. They may not, but 
Again, I don't know what's going to happen in the market. That's what we buy. We hedge. That's a central thing of what we do. But I'm reminded of uh, this week, Professor Aswath Demodaran, NYU. And if you haven't checked out his site, I'll put a link to it. He's got a lot of historical data that's on there, and he puts out some interesting content. He has sort of these these four different ranges of of outcomes. So I guess you call this a two by two, right? So he has no recession, steep recession. Then he has inflation subsides to pre-pandemic levels. Inflation stays high. Okay. So if we look at that, and I will note that, you know, the CPI is still above 6% year over year. And I'll say this again. It's always really interesting. When we come out with GDP, GDP is comes out in a quarterly number that is then annualized. It's not, you know, it's, it's quarter over quarter, but then it's annualized. So, and then they say, okay, so, if, you know, the last one was at 2.9%. So it's not exact math, but you sort of take that divided by four and that's what the quarter over quarter, but then you assume the growth on an annualized basis. And that's real, meaning after inflation. And then you have the way inflation is reported and CPI comes out and they'll have a monthly change. And then they'll, the sort of the headline CPI number is a year over year number. So, if, for example, when it was, you know, got up to 8% or right now it's, I think it's a little above six. The one for December, which is reported in January, that looks at December of 2021 to December of 2022, and they say that's the year over year. What's interesting, though, is that if you take, let's say, the last three months, four months, five months of, of inflation, and, I mean, it's, it's really not budging. It's, it's gotten where it's gone, but it's not really budging. And, of course, the problem with inflation is it never really goes down. Those price changes or those increases in price are embedded in the economy, and it, when people say it's going, inflation's going down, they don't mean that all those prices are going down. They're just meaning the rate of change going forward is, is lower. And I think Chairman Powell called that disinflation. So you have inflation, which is prices going up a lot. I'll just use like real, you know, kind of the slang term. You have deflation, which is prices going down. Typically, we don't really have deflation unless, you know, bad, bad recessions. And then it doesn't last and then you have, uh, let's say, normal inflation, which the Fed will tell you is two, two-ish percent. And then you have disinflation. Disinflation means that the rate of change or the amount that inflation is going up is going up at, at a less hot pace. How's that? So back to Oswath Demodaran. And he does a lot of valuation and he says, okay, so the first case is inflation subsides to pre-pandemic levels. And he says, what would have to happen for you know, no recession? Okay, and there's no recession line. He says the T-bond rate, which is the T-bond meaning, you know, I'm sure he's talking about the 10-year yield on the 10-year on the treasury, drops to 2%. Earnings come in at analyst estimates. Uh, he doesn't say whether analyst estimates stay firm where they are. Um, and he has, you know, an index value somewhere around 4,300. Okay. 
And then there's also the no recession camp where the T-bond rate rises to 5% and earnings come in at analyst estimates, but inflation stays high. Now, I would also say, and then he has, you know, the index value, again, he does valuation, is around, you know, 3750, 3760, something like that. Um, now, he has this in the inflation stays high camp. And maybe he's right that the T-bond rate, the 10-year treasury, can't go to 5%. I mean, right now it's, uh, it's hovering around 3.5% unless inflation stays high. I would also say that if – I think inflation could come down and if the Fed in that scenario that really no one is talking about where they keep rates high. I mean, they don't lower rates back to 2% or, or below 2%. Then why wouldn't the curve reinvert? And the treasury, you know, the ten-year treasury would go higher. But anyway, I re regress there. And then he says, "Okay, what if we have a, a steep recession, but inflation goes back to pre-pandemic levels?" All right, and here he has the T-bond, the ten-year treasury going to two percent, earnings in twenty-three and twenty-four come in twenty percent and ten percent, respectively, below analyst expectations. He says, "Okay, well, the market's got to go to to thirty-five eighty." And then inflation stays high, so the T-bond goes to 5%, earnings come in 20%, 10%. The index value should be you know, 3,200 or something like that. Uh, I know from following his stuff, he doesn't make predictions. He says, you know, he always says, look, I just look at the numbers, I run it through the scenarios, and these scenarios can change. So I think also in here, and you know, maybe he's written about it elsewhere, but I still say there's that We've already had a slight recession. We don't have a recession, or we still have yet to have a very slight recession. Inflation doesn't necessarily rise again. But I think the one everyone's not talking about is maybe rates stay higher. And the 10-year, the five-year, the longer-term bonds, that curve, the back of the curve, which is inverted right now, meaning short-term rates are higher than long-term rates, that that sort of works itself out and treasury bonds go back up to uh, to 5% and earnings are, are still pretty good. So I, look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I mean, we, we make predictions just sort of in a fun way as we're all stewards, students and, you know, the market and things like that. But I just don't think anyone is uh, talking about those scenarios. I would keep, uh, if you want to keep an eye on the, the high-yield spreads, uh, I'll put a link to all that stuff in the show notes. It's Fred, F-R-E-D, and you can put high-yield spread. Uh, you can put triple B spread, double B spread, you know, all, all those types of things. And you can see that. Uh, and you can also pull up the three-month treasury. So uh, that is, uh, that's one of the things that Bank of America is talking about. All right, so look, we're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in again. Continue to uh, you know, send me emails, Derek.Moore at ZegaFinancial.com. Love to hear from the listeners and ideas on future topics and shows. And uh, next week, we'll have uh, one of my semi-permanent co co-hosts on again. And we'll talk to you all real soon. Take care. <music>